You are listening to Off The Record, a music podcast. Each week we deliver the best hard-hitting topics of the music industry. Each episode we give our take on bands, albums, artists, music news, and more. So sit back, grab a drink, turn it up. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Rob. And I'm your host, Jade. And welcome to Off Off The the Record. Record. Today's my Friday. Today's my Friday. I hate you. <laughs> What's <laughs> up, man? How you been? I am fan bloody tastic. Look, before we even start anything, um, I believe somebody had a birthday recently. Jade. He did. Who, who, who are we talking about? My youngest son has officially hit the double digits. He is 10 years old as of yesterday. Oh, snap. Yeah. 10 years old, going on 30. Oh, don't remind me. Don't <laughs> remind me. <laughs> <laughs> he had a really good birthday. He got, um. let's see, we bought him a beanbag chair that did not come with the beans in the beanbag chair. What? Yeah. So my what? Surprise, Wait a yeah, minute. I, yeah i open it up and it's just the beanbag and i'm like where's the beans and it comes with a little card that says hey scan here to get your beans and i said okay so i scanned the little card thingy and it took me to amazon and said buy the beans for yeah this amount so you gotta be shitting me so you have to buy the beans separately to put in this beanbag chair yeah (laughs) what kind of bullshit is that that's not a beanbag chair that's a, a leather whatever the, there's it's a like leather a leather cover yeah that's basically exactly what it is <laughs> <laughs> so i pull it out and i'm sitting here thinking like man they got this thing packed in tight in this little bitty box like that's some like craftsmanship like kudos to whoever stuffed this thing in this box <laughs> what kind of sorcery is this <laughs> yeah and so i open it up and i'm like okay well i, I figure it's one of those seal tight things you know so when i open it up it's going to go you know and blow and no, that. <laughs> i took it out and i was like oh i'm holding a whole thing of leather and there's nothing in it and it's one of those gaming beanbag chairs it has like the, the little thing that you can hook your headphones on in the back and it's got a yep. little pocket and yeah i was so excited about that i bet he was too he was really excited about that yeah <laughs> so, a beanless beanbag chair beanless beanbag chair that's exactly that's exactly what it was and he also got um he got an Xbox gift card so that he can get some games on his Xbox. Um and then he got a lamp that which I don't know of any 10-year-old that asks for a lamp for his room, but he wanted a lamp that you can tap and it changes the three different settings, you know? Ooh. With I a want a, la- a lamp you can tap. What? <laughs> right. And so he has he wanted this lamp and it has a little USB plug so he can plug in his USB and charge his phone. And then we got him a, a bigger TV. So, yeah, that's what he got for his birthday yesterday. Good deal. He was well, stoked. Miss somebody, happy birthday, man. Okay, so I want to know, because I want to do a toast for his birthday, but I need to know, what are you drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking one of my new favorite things, uh, wild turkey on ice. No, 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 no mix, no, <laughs> no, no bullshit, although some people... Even, even there are some people out there that would be like, you're drinking whiskey on ice? Yes. I'm hey. drinking Wild Turkey 101 on ice. Oh, that was my death. That was the night I died. 15 years old. And I died. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I um I'm kind of keeping it simple you can you can see my tumbler y'all listeners sorry you can't see my tumbler but um I am drinking crown and dr peppa mm. yeah it's Yummy. my friday it's my friday <laughs> i'm so mad at you right now i know i know but it's okay so It'll what do you have going on this week like what have i missed not really much however i do have a completely random conversation i have with you because I, I thought this was pretty funny am i in trouble no. Okay. <laughs> you you okay. are you are not in trouble. Okay, cool. Uh I was watching a video that was talking about I was watching a video talking about what companies go through to advertise their products. Right. And the guy even mentioned how even uh liquor companies are guilty of putting out really pretty bottles and really elaborate, you know elaborate stuff on their bottles just to sell the product and um and i kind of thought about that a few days later i was grocery shopping and i came across i I was looking for cat food uh for my buddy charlie charlie Um, my buddy charlie i love that cat he's so beautiful (laughs) so I'm, i'm looking for cat food and i come across this one brand of cat food i don't remember what the brand was that's irrelevant but on the bag, they had like, like barbecue chicken and salmon on the bag, and I was like, "Oh man, that sounds what?" <laughs> wait, wait, no, wait a minute, Rob, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You know what's it, so funny is as you said that, I was like, "Man, that sounds good," and then I was yeah, like, "Yeah, I know, right?" Some some reaction. barbecue chicken. And salmon? Wait, wait, no, 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 no. We're talking about cat food, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, damn, that doesn't sound bad at all. And same exact reaction you just had. That's crazy. Yep. So <laughs> it, it, it immediately reminded me of that video talking about, and it's true. It's very true. These motherfuckers put some goddamn fucking barbecue chicken and salmon on their bag to feed my fat ass cat, or excuse me, to sell my fat ass cat food. That's hilarious. And that's that's a really good attention grabber. Yes. It, it got my attention. <laughs> right, no kidding. It got mine when you mentioned it. I was like, damn, that does sound good. Now and it's what's funny is I just got done eating dinner and it kind of made me a little hungry until you, I was like, wait, wait, wait. You talk yeah, about no, cat food. Cat food. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have um something that I think is kind of interesting. So I, you know I'm a I'm a big corn fan. Um new metal era. That was totally my jam. But mm-hmm. I actually recently saw that corn vocalist Jonathan Davis is actually going to be playing a villain in a new horror movie called The Devil's Tree. And he was cast as a character called The Pet who finds endless comedy in killing people. That does not surprise me at all. <laughs> right? Me neither. <laughs> J- Jonathan Davis, that is a really dark dude. Um, yeah. And, and he's been through some shit in his life. Yeah. Yeah, see, seeing him play a villain, that's going to be bad. Can, but can you, can you imagine him in, like, a, a romantic comedy? Oh, God. Can, can, can you see Jonathan Davis playing that guy? <laughs> Being in the Right. What was that guy's name? Gosling? Uh, Ryan Gosling? Ryan, Ryan Gosling. I can't believe I knew his name. I am ashamed. I'm surprised you knew his name. I barely know his name. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> can, can you imagine Jonathan Davis playing that character? Oh, oh God. 
No, no, hell no, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. It, it'd be a little bit more attractive than Ryan Gosling, in my opinion. But okay. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. But I am excited to see, like, I mean, can so imagine imagine Jonathan Davis running around killing people and going, ha as he's doing it. Like, tag, you're it. Let me stab yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be really interesting. You know, I'm going to watch. Uh, uh, all right. BC yeah. Dubs. I'm, I'm not a horror guy at all. Um, horror just is not my thing. And all my metalhead buddies are like, what the fuck is wrong with them? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, again, call the cops. I don't care for <laughs> I don't care for horror. But um the fact that Jonathan Davis is gonna be in this movie, yeah, no, I'm I'm there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it and pay attention for sure because I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, to be honest. But then again, I am I am a corn fan, so uh Halloween was this past Halloween, the BMA was the 40th anniversary of the punk band Fear playing Ooh. Saturday Night Live. Wow. Uh, there was a mosh pit and there was all this damage and all the shenanigans that you would expect at a at a real punk band. Reports of uh, reports of studio damages are uh, wildly speculated. Uh, when a reporter select when a reporter suggested to vocalist Lee Ving that figures were being thrown around uh, in the neighborhood of $200,000. The, the singer balked claiming the damages were at least twice that. Wow. <laughs> I would have loved to have been there for that. Yes. That's well, pretty badass. N- neither one of us were born. I know, but point. still, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It would have still been cool to like have been there. Yep. That would have been awesome. A, a Man. punk band, a real punk show at Saturday Night Live. Right, right. <laughs> that would have been badass. That's awesome. Yes. So I recently actually did a little bit of research, and I came across this article from Loudwire, and they basically they went through and they highlighted their top sixty six hard rock and metal frontmen of all time, and I kind of wanted to share it with everybody, but. It basically the the list had names like Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. He came in at number sixty one. Jonathan Davis of Corn came in at number fifty. Chris Cornell from Soundgarden at forty four. Marilyn Manson was at forty. Trent Reznor was at twenty. But the top five may actually surprise you a tad bit compared to the likes of James Hetfield, Ozzy, or even Jimi Hendrix. So the top five is Ronnie James Dio from Black Sabbath. He came in at number five, and then you have Rob Halford from Judas Priest at number four. Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin at number three, Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden at number two, and the number one spot goes to none other than Freddie Mercury of Queen. That's a pretty good top five. I don't know that I would have put Freddie Mercury at number one. I agree with that. I agree with uh, that. Um, That's what threw me off. Like going through the list, I was kind of like, you know, I mean, no disrespect. I love Freddie. Don't get me wrong, but definitely top 10. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. But number one, mm, no. Yeah. Um. Actually, uh, to that effect, uh, Randy Bly, he sixty one. Come on, man. Mm, come I agree. On. Ra- Randy Bly. Yeah, I know. No. That's. I was going through some of these names. Like I was looking. I was like, really? I was like, only like number fifty. You know, like I I wouldn't have put them at fifty. I would have put them maybe top twenty. Yeah, you know, or something like that. But I was kind of surprised like and like chester bennington he wasn't on the list at all 
wait, what? Yeah, he wasn't even on the list at all going through it. I didn't see his name come up at all. And that, he, that surprised me a little bit. I'd say he's top 30. Oh, yeah, I agree I, with that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to put him at top 10, but yeah, top, no, top 30. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And same, I, his name wasn't same, even on the list. Same with Randy Bly. I would have put Randy probably. But again, I'm a huge Lamb of God fan. Right. But, I mean, again, top 30, may, maybe even top 20 for Randy. Yeah. Big, big, big Randy fan. Yeah. And you know that their song Checkmate, I have been hooked on that lately for some reason. It, come, <laughs> it came on um, it came on my shuffle on Spotify and I was like, okay. So I just like, it played and when it got done, I was like, man, I want to hear it again. And I'd like, re- you know, let's go and listen to it again. And so I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, wow. By the time I like realized, I'm like, dude, I just listened to this song like four times in a row. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, but I was hooked on that song for the past couple of days. It's a banger. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a banger. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, okay. So since you had talked about Halloween just a little bit ago, I kind of want your thoughts on this. So Halloween, I mean, right now it's come and gone, but we, we didn't do an official Halloween episode, which, you know, was one of my favorite holidays. So, you know, shame on me for not, you know, suggesting a Halloween bonus episode or something. But so I, I kind of started thinking of what if I made a list of songs that sound pleasant, but it kind of had like disturbing revelations behind it. So there are a lot of songs in many different genres that actually fit that bill. But I kind of wanted to focus on some of the rock songs and the lyrics are just kind of a little bit more dark, so to speak. So I wanted to give you the name of the song and the band, tell you what the lyrics are really about. And then I wanted your, I wanted your opinion. Shoot. All right, cool. All right. So the, the first one is death cab for cutie. I will possess your heart. Now it, it is a creepy song. So it's actually off their 2008 album, Narrow Stairs. And when you actually hear it, you think that it's like this romantic love emo song. And he's like, oh, my God, and I'm so in love with her. And it sounds so amazing, right? Well, and that's 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 not what it's about. So the lyrics are, there are days when outside your window, I see my reflection as I slowly pass. And I long for this mirrored perspective when we'll be lovers, lovers at last. It's actually about a guy stalking this girl that he can't have. So the lead singer actually admitted in an interview with Pace and he said, no, it's about this nice guy who wants this girl that he can't have. And he believes that they'll be together once she realizes how great he is. And he just has to wait it out. That's the part that makes a song really creepy. That's some, that's some George McFly shit right there. No kidding. Yeah. You, you remember whenever George McFly yes. was, he, he was, he was supposed to be snooping. Or not not snooping, <laughs> that's not the word. He is a peeping tom. My dad's, go, a, yeah. my dad's a peeping tom. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's so funny because I have heard that song before, but I never paid attention to the lyrics. It's just the music, you know, and everything behind it, it just kind of makes you go like, okay, yeah, it's just some romantic, you know, bullshit. It when it's actually about a dude stalking a chick. Like, okay. So this next one is actually filter, hey man, nice shot. So to the unaware listener, you might actually think it's a basketball song or something, right? Maybe darts, shot put, whatever. Yeah, no. So the song is actually from their 1995 album, Short Bus, and the industrial rock sound catches your attention. And some people have thought that it was actually about Kurt Cobain's death, but it actually takes its inspiration from Pennsylvania State Treasurer R. Bud Dwyer's 1987 death by suicide in front of reporters during a live press conference. 
the lyrics suggest that this basically with the bridge and the chorus, that's why I say, hey, man, nice shot. What a good shot, man. That's why I say, hey, man, nice shot. What a good shot, man. A man has a gun. Hey, man, have fun. Nice shot. Creepy. That is fucking crazy. I'm a, I love that song. I mean, I really, really love that song. Yeah. Um, not to mention, that's kind of like a saying of mine whenever you're like, hey, thanks. Yeah. Instead of, hey, thanks. Like, hey, good shot, man. Yeah. Um, I say that shit all the time. Kind of referencing that song, though. Um, I've seen, I, I don't know if it's still on YouTube. I've seen that that video on YouTube. Yeah. And I mean. Isn't it crazy? Damn. I know. This, this dude, I know. Um, if, if you have any kids, by the way, you want might want to turn, turn this off right here. But I mean, this dude puts a gun in his mouth, pulls the trigger, and you see the blood and him hitting the floor. Mm-hmm. And just a whole nine. The whole pandemonium because he did it in like a an office. It may not have been an office, but he did it in a building with a bunch <laughs> of people there to witness it. And people <laughs> didn't really know how to react. Yeah, so like, like what do you do in that situation? Like, yeah, it's like you you won't call the ambulance or well, <laughs> right? Like what do I, you I, do? I, I think he might be dead. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> like I I kind of get it, like. I, could you imagine being there to see that happen? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd probably just stand there and go, I have I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. You know, like that was, that was just crazy. That is crazy. So this next one is actually not going to be much of a surprise, but foster the people pumped up kicks that song. When it came out, let me just say that that song annoyed the piss out of me. I could not stand that song because it was played every fucking where, but the song actually, you know, most people know. How do I put this? So the indie pop group song, it has like this 180 degree spin on the lyrics in this 2010. It was kind of like a sleeper hit, but it has kind of like this psychedelic sounding earworm, which is probably why I hated it, because it did get stuck in your head when you hear it. But um, people were singing this basically everywhere I turned around, but people were so disturbed to find out that it's portraying a messed up person willing to shoot others for their shoes. So Mark Foster explained, I wrote pumped up kicks when I began to read about the growing trend in teenage illness. I wanted to understand the psychology behind it because it was foreign to me. It was terrifying how mental illness among youth has skyrocketed. I guess it's not all bad when you think about it that way, I guess. I'm right there with you on this one. And, and, and by the way, I had no idea what you're talking about. I totally just looked this up like literally 10 seconds ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really had no idea what song you're talking about until like just a couple of seconds ago. Yeah, this song has like this really weird hook and it's kind of it's kind of catchy. But whenever you pay attention to the lyrics. Yeah. Um, some, something about all, all the other all the other kids with the pumped up, up kids, kids better run, better run, better run. Yep. faster than my bullet. Yep. Yeah. That part. Yeah. And so it's not hard to tell that this song is, you know, that type of song, but it's still like you hear it and you're kind of like, man, this has got a good catchy beat. 
you know, and hence why it gets stuck in your damn head. And it drives me insane. Me and my mom <laughs> play this game of earworm and she'll text me lyrics to a song. And yes. she knows that when I read the lyrics, I, it, I hear yep. it in my head. It's done. And then it gets stuck in my head and I can't get rid of it. And that song is one of those songs and it drives me up the wall. I hate that damn song. They had a word for that. What was that movie about the the dreams? Uh, oh fuck the the with Leo? Leonardo yeah that. Uh, in in um, shit. If you wouldn't have asked me, I could have told yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Right. Anyways, n- neither one of us can think of the name of the movie they're talking about. But they they had a word for that in that movie, uh, implanting an idea into into somebody's head. They had a oh, word subliminal. For that. Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I call it an earworm because it gets stuck in your ear and it won't come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bot fly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so this next one um, is by The Police, Every Breath You Take. This was released as their lead single on their 1983 album, Synchronicity, and it was a huge hit internationally, and everyone assumed that it was a romance song. Wrong again. <laughs> it's actually about an abusive stalker, more or less. And the police bassist vocalist Sting told an audience the year it came out, I think it's a nasty little song, really rather evil. It's about jealousy and surveillance and ownership. Regardless, it's been his signature song and moneymaker. And most people to this day believe it's a great love story. I think it's still a better love story than Twilight, I guess. I think... And I could be mistaken, but I am almost positive that I've heard this song played at a wedding. Oh, I'm sure. To this day, I people think that that's just a love song. And I actually tested that theory after I had, you know, read about this song. I actually tested that theory and I asked a couple people, sent them a text message, said, hey, what do you think th- about the song? And they came back and said, oh, man, that's like a really sweet love song. And I'm like, <laughs> and they're like, one of my answer. friends. Right. One of my friends is about to have like, um, what is that? The 10 year anniversary party or whatever for marriage. And I guess she's marking her milestone by having an anniversary party. And she wants that song played at her anniversary. And I was like, I was like, please don't do that. And she's like, yeah, it's so beautiful. I was like, please don't do that. (laughs) I explained to her what the song meant. She don't believe me. Wow. Just listen to lyrics. It's pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah. I, I agree with that. So I do have another question for you. Shoot. Okay. I want to know, what do you think about new metal music? Like what, what do you think of when you hear, when you hear that, those words, new metal? What do I think of? Mm -hmm. Kind of a two part answer. I think of what was going on in my life at that time. And I also think about the bands, you know, Deftones, Slipknot, Corn, Orgy. Limp biscuit. Uh, limp motherfucking biscuit, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> it's a limp B I Z K I T S. That was a really interesting time um, for me. So, whenever new metal came out, it was the first time that I was listening to a music genre as it was happening and developing right there in front of me it was the first time that i ever got to experience music or or a a push or a wave of music as it was happening right then right i have a bad habit 
of being late to shit. That's, that's, why, my, <laughs> that's why my boss hates me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways, I got to experience it as it was happening. It was a really interesting uh, movement that was going on between all those guys and all those bands. Yeah, well, what about you? Uh, what do you think of, uh, of new metal? Uh, well, it's one of my favorite genres. It, it, like, just like you, it was around the time where I got to witness it unfold. But I honestly, I, I think Woodstock 99. True. That, that's what comes to mind for me. I mean, of course, all the bands, uh, you know, Limp Biscuit and Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, you know, oh, my God, Red Hot Chili Peppers was huge at the time. Right. And, um, you know, Metallica and just all these all these bands that were even bands that had been around for years were starting to change their sound to be more new metalish, And it it clashed well. It, it went well. And to me. I mean, it is one of my favorite genres, but I think, I think Woodstock 99 and all the bullshit that went down with Woodstock 99, that's what comes to to mind because I remember watching the shit on TV. Yep. So corn was kind of becoming a thing. Um, This is actually kind of (laughs) funny. Corn was becoming a thing. I was listening to the radio one night and to this day, I would fucking swear that I heard the DJ say this next song is by a band called Carrots. I swear <laughs> he said Carrots. And like a day or two later, a um, a friend of mine comes up to me and she says, hey man, have you heard of this band Carrots? It was a complete, complete coincidence. He said, hey, have you heard of this band called Carrots? I was like, oh yeah, I heard them just a few nights ago. Yeah, they were badass. <laughs> and so you remember how we used to take the, um, the whiteout pens and write shit on your book bag. Yep. Yeah, no, I was totally yep. doing that. So, of course, my dumbass wrote carrots. No, you didn't. Yes, I did <laughs> on my book bag. And so I got made fun of because I looked like I was agreeing to something that didn't actually happen. But to this day, I swear that guy said carrots. And, oh my God, that is hilarious. And, and, and I got made fun of because of the make believe band. That oh was my on my book bag. And talk about flashbacks with whiteout pins. Holy yes. shit. I haven't thought about that. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do that on my company book bag. I'm going to get a whiteout pen. And I'm going to write on it with a, with a whiteout pen for, for nostalgia purposes. Good luck <laughs> finding one, by the way. I well, have one. Oh, do you have one? I have a company backpack. Yeah, it was given to me. No, because I, no I meant the whiteout pen. Oh, yeah. No, I have one. Okay. I haven't seen one in years. <laughs> I thought you meant the company backpack. I'm like, they're not hard to come by. You just got to pay a lot of money for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got one of those. Yeah. So, yeah, there was that. Uh, also, I had heard of Lint Biscuit, but only heard of. I bought a compilation CD called The Hard and the Heavy. I'm thinking it's probably around 95-ish, okay. 96. Uh, it's called The Hard and the Heavy. It was a two-disc CD, uh, one CD was more, eh, I guess I could say thrashier stuff. Okay. And the other was more heavy, like as opposed to thrash. Anyhow, Limp Biscuit was on that compilation album. Uh, their song Counterfeit. Uh, there's <gasps> like yes, 
Yeah, I love that song. That whole <laughs> that, that whole first album. Uh, three, actually, we were just talking about this the other day. We were. And the other, yeah, three dollar bills, y'all. To this day, is one of my favorite all time albums. I will play the fuck out of that thing from top to bottom, beginning to end, without skipping one goddamn second of it. Oh yeah. Anyways, the point that I'm getting at is, in learning about all these bands, Limp Biscuit was on there. It was like a few weeks later I heard Faith on on MTV. Uh, you know, uh Limbiscus cover of Faith. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, we all know what I'm talking about. Whenever you first hear that song, you know, it, it's kinda it's kinda cool. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't I don't want to say it, it doesn't really follow the the original, but the first half of that song kind of follows. The original or the first, I guess the first verse you could say follows yep. the, the the original verse. But whenever they kick into, but I'm showing you that door, rock on it, you know that that oh, part. Oh yeah, and it just oh, it makes you want to break shit. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree, and it's it's funny because when that album came out, that was one of the first things I bought was, you know, I always used to do this thing where I'd go to Best Buy and I would buy CDs and yep. I would stack up on my CDs. And that was the first album. Like the moment I walked in, I went straight to that section, found the CD and bought it. And I remember, I remember my great grandmother listening, hearing that album as I'm playing it in my room. And she comes in there and she's like, I don't know what you're listening to, but I can't understand mm. a damn word they're saying. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I cranked it up. Something else that I want to, because you talked how, how, about how she couldn't understand what was being said. New metal is does this thing where it kind of brought in bands that weren't really, you know, the typical new metal. When you right. talk about new metal, you're kind of talking about rap and metal. Well, it's not really true to all new metal bands. I think Deftones. Right is a yeah. great example of that um chino isn't really a rapper right he's he's more of a, a vocalist he's more of a, a traditional vocalist right whereas yeah i guess i would say fred durst is a rapper even slipknot oh, oh, oh okay yeah i guess there are there were a few songs in their first first uh first album that sounded rap ish in the vocal department but just call Slipknot, you know, new metal. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that. But but again, that's my point. They're they're all kind of lumped in in that genre, uh, for for better or worse. Right, right. I agree. Uh, you talked about about Woodstock. Let's let's talk about Woodstock. Oh J- my J- god! But by, by the way, for 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 the record of the of the. <laughs> off the record <laughs> of the thank you I was, I was losing my words there uh for the record on the off the record podcast uh jade's been chomping at the bit to have this conversation oh my god oh she, she, my she, god she's got, some, she's got some shit to say i got some shit to say okay so we we have welcome to rockville right around the corner so i actually i've oh like you said i've been i've been itching to talk about this so oh woodstock 99 the new metal festival that people, you know, called it the new metal festival will forever be known as the festival that was anything but peace, love, and three days of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. 
Instead, you got riots, sexual assaults, and even death. But most people blamed one band that eventually led to the failure of the music festival, and that was Limp Biscuit. I do not agree with this, but that's the point. So the Woodstock 99 promoter, John Scher and the organizer, Michael Lang, they actually marketed this festival to what was popular at the time, as far as the bands and the music was concerned, which was new metal. So hand in hand with new metal was aggression, homophobia, and angry frat boy fans that like to wear their hat backwards and thought that they were just angry because mommy didn't buy them a Beamer for their graduation present is what I think of. So let's face it. Okay. I, I, I love new metal, but in 1999, it was what it was. So think about this. Everyone says that Woodstock 99 was the most crazy era of Woodstock, but let's back it up to Woodstock 69 real quick, because that was kind of the same as 1999. The only difference was that the media put these rose colored glasses on for everyone to see through the lens that they, whatever they wanted you to see. So you might as well have just stuck the glasses on the cameras that everyone was looking through on their television sets because people were choosing to remember what happened versus what actually happened at Woodstock 69. So at Woodstock 69, there were riots. It was a mess. Trash was thrown everywhere. The U.S. Army had to airlift supplies in and people died. And one of the riots was started by a group that called themselves up against the wall motherfuckers because the price of food and water at the festival were so expensive that people couldn't afford to stay hydrated or nourished. And they also set fires to more than a dozen food stands in protests of the prices. Sound familiar? <laughs> mm, okay. So uh, just real quick, mm-hmm. I, uh, I had to fact check you. I had to fact check you. And uh, yeah, um, so Woodstock 69, uh, two people died. <laughs> one person oh. I, I'm, I'm sorry i shouldn't laugh but i kind of kind of have to laugh on this this next one um one person died of a drug overdose yep. uh, the other person who died at woodstock 69 was sleeping in a sleeping bag under a tractor mm-hmm. give, give that guy a darwin award mm, that part <laughs> that part and there were uh, three deaths 44 arrests and numerous accounts of sexual assault at Woodstock 99. Yep. So, and and Woodstock 99 started off as awesome. Everyone was good, but within just six hours of being open, everyone was angry. They were hot. They were complaining. And the medical concerns were high because you had the temperatures that were 110 degrees and higher. So then you add the bodies that are constantly moving, which generated body heat. So other people who were nearby those people are now absorbing that heat and hypothermia would set in, causing your body temperature to rise to abnormal heights. And one person at Woodstock 99 did die due to hypothermia. So then you have to consider that there was asphalt everywhere being that it was an old Air Force base, which made the ground temperature even hotter. So medical personnel was actually doing at least a thousand transports a day. And most of it was due to dehydration because of lack of supplies and water. Just like Woodstock 69. I'm sorry, by the way, having a festival on fucking asphalt, what, what idiot? Thank you, <laughs> John Chair and Michael Lang. Yes. That part. And don't even get me started with the mayor of Rome, New York, of where this was held. That That's was okay. just a shit show to begin with. So basically, the 
the medical personnel listed that 60% of the medical concerns were actually due to heat exhaustion and dehydration. 20% was listed as uh, minor trauma or laceration to extremities. 10% was respiratory related with the majority of that category being people who had asthma or bronchitis. 5% was GI complications, 2% psychiatric, and 1% was listed as other. Now, with the majority of the medical concerns, EMT said there was a lack of access to water and that wasn't planned for ahead of time. The vendors who were selling bottles of water were actually selling them for $4 a bottle. And the beer was the exact same price as water. So think about it. If you're in your early to mid 20s, hell, even your late 20s, if you go to a new metal quote unquote concert or festival and you have an option to pay $4 for a bottle of water or $4 for a bottle of beer, which one are you going to choose? Let's go get some beer. That part. Most people are going to opt for beer. So what does beer do? It gets you good and dehydrated. Gets you good and dehydrated even more than you already are. And so ugh, let's not even talk about the security. Okay. And this is, uh, so the security guards had zero training, if not even just a little to zero training was all the security guard had. Okay. The organizers, John Shear, Michael Lang. So they would, they were told, they told the security guards to not let anyone in to the festival with their own food or water. But they said that it was, oh, it's okay if you take $20 or $50 to look the other way, if you happen to find drugs in somebody's bag. So the water shortage was actually so bad that by day number two, someone actually went and broke the water line just to have access to water, which in turn flooded the campgrounds, which in turn caused people to be even more pissed off. Not to mention that this caused the porter potties to get backed up and people were thinking, oh, look, mud, let me rub this on my body and it will keep me cool and had no idea that most of what they were rubbing all over themselves was human waste from the porter potties. Nasty. Right? All because of a shortage of water. How are you as an event organizer going to put together a festival and not have proper access to the, to the most common amenities that you need to survive? Like, how does that make it make sense to me, right? Then you have the booking. So you have metal bands like Metallica and Korn, and then you're going to sprinkle in a couple people like Jewel and Moby, Cheryl Crow, Alanis Morissette. But everyone wanted to blame Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit for the reason that Woodstock 99 got out of control, chalking it up to new metal and shame on Fred Durst. But all the rioting, the looting, the raping, the assaults, everything that happened happened well before Limp Biscuit took the stage. In fact, they didn't even perform on the same day that all this started to occur. It occurred the day after that when that's when Limp Biscuit played. So the real reason Woodstock 99 failed, in my opinion, is because the organizers and the promoters that were behind it did a horrible job with a series of oversights and extreme summer heat. Okay, so the high ticket prices didn't help that people were already pissed off about that. And then you're overcharging for the water bottles. The security that was hired was not qualified for the job. And hell, I mean, most of the security members were too busy banging the chicks that wanted to get a free ticket in anyway. So they didn't give a fuck. They were getting some on the side just so that, oh, look, I'll show you my tits so that you can get me into the festival. Okay. I mean, really? So not to mention that the access to the toilets and the showers was ridiculous with people waiting in line for hours just to take a piss. And then 
is an old Air Force base. It was too spread out between the stages, and MTV didn't help with all the hype of the festival being about freedom and the next coming of Woodstock 99. And the stages were like a mile apart. I think I read that they were a mile apart. Yes, they were a mile apart. And then you have to walk on this asphalt in 110-degree weather. Like, uh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so Fred Durst even went on to say to the audience while he was on stage, we already let all the negativity energy out. It's time to bring in some positive energy to this motherfucker. He later recalled, I don't think the crowd understood what I meant. Okay, let's get all that negative energy out so that we can bring the positive in. That means start jumping, jumping and singing. It doesn't mean start raping and burning the place down. It made Limp Bizkit go from the bad boys of MTV to the villains of the media, which, of course, the media being the media twisted everything to make it seem like that Limp Bizkit was to blame for basically what they did was they played a, a clip of Limp Bizkit performing break stuff. And then they showed a clip of the chaos that ensued with the fires and people tearing down the stages and said, look what Limp Bizkit did. Like, seriously? So in total, at Woodstock 99, 44 arrests were made, eight sexual assault cases were reported, and four which were alleged rapes, and it's estimated that hundreds more actually occurred over that weekend, with one young woman actually coming forward right after Woodstock, saying that she was raped in front of the stage while a band was playing and no one stopped it from happening. And other stories are just a little bit too graphic for me to even want to think about. That is crazy. You know, when it comes to <clears throat> when it comes to rock shows, I mean, whenever you start talking about more than a couple hundred people, whenever you're in a crowd of people that size, especially whenever you start talking about thousands and tens mm-hmm. of thousands and 20,000, however, however many people were there, whenever you're in a crowd that big, there's a certain amount of and an, and an, I can't I can't pronounce this word. You, you basically are able to do anything you want. Is yep. what I'm trying to say. You're you're you're, you're anonymous. Is what yep. I'm trying to say. In, in an enemy. Is that how you? <laughs> <laughs> are you Nemo now? An <laughs> <I, laughs> enemy. <laughs> I, I am in an enemy. <laughs> God damn it! I was trying so hard to say the word. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I, I think you get the point, though. Whenever you're in a crowd of that many people, you can do damn near anything you want to and and get away with it. Because, I mean, yeah. who, who's going to stop you? That part. Yeah. That part. And here's or, the thing. Or, or I, you know, again, to the anonymous point, who's going to point you out and say, oh, that guy did it? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And And here's the thing. I'm not bitching and I'm not ranting about the fact that it was a festival and all this bullshit happened. I'm pissed that you would blame artists and bands for the lack of planning for the, for all the oversights. I mean, you're having this festival for thousands of people and you're not going to give them access to, to water, like to practically where it's kind of like, it's kind of like you took them and you stuck them on an old air force base and said, fend for yourself. What do you think was going to happen? You know what I mean? So I have a problem with the event organizers and the promoter not doing their due diligence to make Woodstock 99 to be what it should have been. That's my problem. And then to turn around and blame the bands, which then put the stigma on these new metal bands saying, oh, well, you know, if you, you're a new metal fan, oh, that's, 
you you like you're you're a satanist you know or <laughs> you're just this like you're angry all the time and i mean it it's this it put this negative stigma on this genre that didn't need to be there and it's all because of two fucking people that put on woodstock 99 and they could have made it to be woodstock you know what i mean but instead you're going to go in, you're not going to be prepared. And then because you don't want to take the heat from all the bullshit that happened and you don't want to have to take responsibility for what you caused, you're just going to blame the bands, which in turn made the media say, oh, Limp Biscuit, you know, they're so evil and, and look at corn and they're just Satanists. And I mean, it, it was just this, this thing that I think could have been avoided and that stigma that is on that genre to this day, even yeah. that could have been avoided if two dumb fucks would have gotten their heads out their asses long enough to be able to say, hey, we should probably take care of the people who are going to be on in our festival to make sure that they have water, make sure that there are extra places for them to shower, to make sure that the women are going to be safe, have the security put forth the extra money to make sure that the security should have been trained, but they didn't do that. And so with the city of Rome, after paying fees and fines of Woodstock 99, you know that they only made $200,000 after they paid for all of the fees and fines. That's all they made after Woodstock 99, $200,000. And then in 2019, Michael Lang, who was, if I'm not mistaken, he was the event organizer he announced plans for a Woodstock 50, a three-day event celebrating the 50th anniversary of the original festival, but the festival was canceled last minute, citing a series of unforeseen setbacks. So you might be wondering, well, what happened to the organizers, Michael Shear and my, or uh, John Shear and Michael Lane? Well, they, like I said, they blamed the bands and they took no responsibility, of course. And to this day, John Shear lays the blame with the bands, but especially Limp Biscuit. It actually let them off the hook, so to speak. So I guess sometimes people just don't want the truth and they just want to scapegoat. Sorry, Limp Biscuit, But in my opinion, John Shear and Michael Lane can kiss my big fat ass. <laughs> I feel some kind of way about that topic. I'm just saying. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you would have never guessed it. No. It's always, <laughs> it's always been, it's always been really easy to point the point the blame at bands, you know, even over uh, social events. Ozzy being blamed for people's death. Marilyn Manson. Uh, I'm going to give you a really good example of of what I'm talking about. And this is a true goddamn story um, of how easy it is to blame a band. Stained, another quote-unquote new metal band, speaking of. (laughs) uh, Stained, their song, Outside. Yep. A guy... I guess learned how to play the song, filmed himself playing the song, and killed himself. I remember that. Him playing the song was kind of like his his suicide note. Right. Okay. The guy's mother showed up to one of the stained one of the stained shows, and and had the nerve to approach Aaron Lewis, looking for answers. You know what? Why did my why did my son kill himself to your music? You know wow. why, why? Why did this happen? That he actually wrote another song, "Waste." He wrote another song called "Waste." Yep. About this topic, basically, this woman 
that he's never fucking met in his life coming up to him asking for answers that she should already have. Right. And how fucked up is that? Right. And then you also have the Columbine shooting. Just because exactly just because they were fans of Marilyn Manson, it's Marilyn Manson's fault. That that has nothing to do with the reason why it oh no automatically his fault. Right. It wasn't because they were being bullied. It had nothing to do with their mental health. It had nothing to do with any of that. It it was all Manson's fault. Blame Manson. Or their fucking parents for that matter. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. And it's just like, what was that song, Eminem? Um, but they they blame it on Marilyn. Oh, I haven't heard look, that, no. He it was a song, um, but they blame it on Marilyn. But where were the parents at? And look where it's at, middle America now. It's so now we're so happy. How's that song Ooh, go? I have no Eminem idea. Song? Eminem actually called out Marilyn Manson in the song, huh? Yeah, that's, he did. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was called The Way I Am is the name of the song. That's what it was. With the bullshit they pull because they fooled the shit too. When a dude's getting bullied and shoots up the school and they blame it on Marilyn and the heroin. Where were the parents at? And look where it's at. Middle Middle America. Now it's a tragedy. Now it's so sad to see an upper class city having this happening. I am going to back up just a little bit. I am going to back up just a little bit. It is true that especially those of us that love music we have like these these people that we really look up to mm-hmm. um dimebag daryl is damn I, I i hate to use the word idol i don't like that word idol but right? i mean from a inspirational standpoint he he was definitely somebody that i looked up to james atfield and metallica i look up to the guy i don't fucking know yeah. him He's never met me. I've never met him. I, I don't have his number. I've never been to his house. You right. Know, I've, ne- I've never met the guy. Right? right. But I feel like, in a way, in a way, I almost feel like I know the guy because I've listened to his music for so long. And I've watched the interviews and right. the shows and, you know, listening to him talk about his life and everything. Right. In a, in a way, I almost feel like I, kn- I know him in in a small way. So, yeah, I look up to him. Now, if he tells me to shoot myself, I'm not. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But see, that's the thing with music. And especially like with, you know, here's the thing. Like with music, music brings everybody together for a reason. Because yes. sometimes when these artists, they write these songs, it speaks to a part of us that we've gone through. Exactly. We've been there. We can yep. relate. And it, that's what makes you feel close to that artist or that band because they're singing about something that you went through, whether exactly. it be a traumatic experience or whether it be something that's, you know, uplifting and it's great that happened. And you can reflect on that and say, wow, I had something great happen this past week. You know, I, I get what he's saying. I understand yeah. what he's talking about or right. she's talking about. But it also comes down to whenever you have these bands, it, it, when it comes to these kids and, like take just for example the columbine shooting just like in the song lyrics where were the parents at that to me that's what that comes down to because my kids will be the first one to stand up to a bully but that doesn't mean that if they're the ones being bullied that they're going to turn around and do some some shit like that you know what i mean it it i understand i get it I, i i really do i get it i music brings everybody together for a reason 
and it does make you feel like you might know that that band because they do sing about stuff that you've went through that you could relate to and that's that's why they say that music can cure anything exactly exactly i really do want to give some credit to the fred durst by the way um i do remember i've watched the the documentary i've watched i mean i i've watched the shows and everything from woodstock 99 there was a point where he was like you know get all your aggressions out you know whether you whether you're upset about work or you know if you broke up with your girlfriend or whatever it is you know this is your time to get your aggressions out he he never said oh this is this be a great time right he never said this be a great time to literally break stuff that part that part the and the that, that that's something else I think it should be said. The, their their song "Break Stuff" is not to be taken literally. Exactly. It's it's totally about getting your aggressions out. I like heavy metal m- music because it gets it keeps me from being an angry person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it it really does. And I think it's fucked up that that stigma has now been put on that genre, and it kind of almost seems like it started. When Woodstock 99 with the media exposure from like MTV and other media outlets saying, oh, look, they play a clip of, you know, Limp Bizkit playing break stuff. But then they turn to something that happened the night before where they were setting fires to the other stage and tearing down, you know, the the wall and burning it and all this other bad shit that happened. But it, it really comes down to the people that were there are pissed because you charge them for this ticket. You're charging them $4 for water. They have no access to water pretty much. And I mean, it just, it was a whole mess. And then to turn around and blame the bands, I think that's fucked up. I don't, I think that's really fucked up. So Michael Shear and, or Michael Lang and John Shear, if you're listening, fuck you. Mm. I, um, I guess they won't be su- subscribing to the podcast. Probably. Boo-hoo. Fight me. <laughs> Fight me. Call the cops. Call the cops. Fight me. It's not hard to track me down. You can find out where I am. Shut my front door and I'm going to kick your ass. You don't know me. I'm five foot two, but. Mm. You don't mm. know me. You don't know me. Y'all know my life. Y'all know my life. <laughs> I just, I really feel some kind of way about people incorrectly putting that stigma. And I mean, it, it's not only just new metal and metal, it's hip hop too. It happens with hip hop. I mean, you. you oh, have yeah. People you have people that look at, you know, these, these rap artists and they go, oh, well, you know, they're, they're promoting, you know, this. And it, it, did you even listen to the lyrics? Like, that's not what this is about. So quit putting your spin on it just because you don't like that artist. That's fucked up to me. Take it what it is and leave, leave the damn music alone. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I have a problem with people attacking genres that they just don't understand, or they want to put the blame on because something bad in their life happened. But that was my rant. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. And for, for dealing with my my angriness there for a moment. But uh, I do. I feel some kind of way. I love my music. All, I, I, literally, I literally listen to everything. So, I mean, to, to just put a stigma on something that doesn't need to be there like that and giving it a bad name to where now, you know, this kid's going to go to school and they're going to be bullied because of the type of music they listen to. It just, there's a lot that goes in with it. You know, I was one of those kids. I listened to metal growing up and I, you know, I, I was 
people tried to bully me because I liked it, you know, like, oh, you like Slipknot, the dudes in masks. I'm like, have you, have you ever heard them? Like, dude, they're badass. Like, think about the talent it takes. Like, look at Joey Jorson, rest in peace. But he was one of my favorite drummers. And to look at him and to be like, how can you, how can you not listen or watch them and say that these people don't have talent? And that, and that's the same thing with hip hop. I can't rap. You know what I mean? So the way that that rappers think to be able to come up with these lyrics and to do these rap battles, like to me, that's impressive as hell. I can't do that. Nope. And to think that you have people like Whitney Houston, who has the voice that she had and Mm -hmm. Mary J. Blige and Erica Badu. Oh, my queen. I love her to have these people that have that talent, then to turn around and say that, you know, they have this certain stigma or they're only about A, B and C that to me, that's just, that's just wrong. Music is music and love is love. You know why, if you love something, you know, respect that person's decision for loving that genre and stop putting the blame on the bands for all the bad shit that happened to you. So Jade in wrapping this up, um, you did not know that I was going to do this. I'm, I'm doing it again. Oh no, here we go. Uh, I'm doing it again. Here we go. One okay. song. Fuck. One, One song. song. New, new metal. Shit. One. <sighs> Rob, I hate you. Um, <laughs> fuck. I don't know. I have. I see. You can't do that because that's the song. That's that's the genre I listen to the most. Um, you know what? Just because off the topic that that Woodstock '99 was blamed on this band. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I listened to them today, and me and my kid basically, my oldest kid basically had a mosh pit in our living room today while we were cleaning up the house. I'm gonna go with break stuff. Only because me and my 15, almost 15 year old, had a mosh pit in our living room while we were mopping the floor. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm just I'm just gonna go with it. Led Biscuit and Fred Durst was not responsible for all the chaos that happened at Woodstock '99. So therefore, I am siding with them. That's a great answer. <laughs> That is an amazing answer. Real quick. So fun fact, there was a local band. They're not together anymore, but they're out of Georgia. And they were uh, amazing. They did a cover of Break Stuff and they were badass. So I had to take a moment to think about my answer to that question. Okay. And I battled back and forth because like you, this is, I mean, this is not my favorite genre, but it's definitely way the hell up there. Okay. If I, if I had to choose one favorite new metal song, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with Deftones. Oh. Drive. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's the, a good be, one. Be, be, the idea of just, just, just take me. Yeah. Just, just take me far and... Just, just drive. I like that. That's a good mm. choice. You know what my favorite Deftones song is? Change House of Flies. Oh yeah. Yep. I don't know what it is about that song, but oh, I could listen to that all day. It I love that song. Kind of creepy. I kind of like it though. That's why I like it. Yes. <laughs> That's why I like that song. But yeah. So I'm gonna have to um, see if I can find a video of that local band I was talking about. Their name was Locast, by the way. But they did a cover. Oh, of I remember stuff. them. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, God. And all those guys were so cool and so humble. They were really good dudes. Um, I'm going to have to, I'll get with the drummer, uh, Michael Cochran. Shout out, Michael, if you're listening. Love you, dude. Um, but they did this 
badass cover break stuff. I'm going to see if he's got a video of it and I'll send it over to you so you can see oh, it. Yeah. They did yes, a please. badass job. All right. Any final thoughts? Other fuck than John, fuck John Sheeran, yep. Michael Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to cut you off. <laughs> I noticed. Nope. Fight you, me. You will not stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get it in one more time. Just one more time. <laughs> Nope, cool. that's it. I mean, we do have a contest going on right now on Facebook, y'all. Hey. So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, also, uh, if, if you guys are listening, uh, we have seen a pretty good increase in traffic yes, uh, on our, 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 our sites recently. Like, like a, a really good uptick. Um, anybody out there, if you have anything to contribute, uh, a shout out you want to shout yourself out you want to shout your girlfriend out because she smacked you upside the head because you deserved it um what <laughs> jade you, you know all about that when, when he just he, he needs that one good up, just upside the head just, just sometimes. That, that one good time um, <laughs> anyhow if anybody has anything they want to contribute questions comments Whatever it is, fuck you, Rob. Whatever you want to say, whatever it is, hit us up. Let us know, and we'll uh, we'll shout you out. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, like I was saying, we do have that that contest that's right now going on on Facebook. You can enter to win. All the information is on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com/backslash/musicotrpod. And go ahead, go over there, check it out. We do have a post that tells you what you have to do to enter. It's not hard. You basically share the post, you make it public, you invite your friends to like our page, you like our page, and you're automatically entered to win. You will win the very first ever custom off-the-record podcast Tumblr, a $20 Amazon gift card, and a couple extra little freebies that I haven't really spilled the beans on yet. But you will get um, a little package from Rob and I at Off the Record, and you will get a shout out on an episode and the winners are going to actually be announced on Facebook on November 24th. So be sure to head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. And if you do um, decide that, you know, you want to go check out some behind the scenes photos, some behind the scenes videos, we do have that on our website at otrpod.net. And thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it.